Toby Haydukes, whose round is required. Bring it here. Um, just before we start, it hasn't got the traditional intro, this, because for various reasons, this had to be conducted a bit more like a conversation. Um, and I'd actually done this gentleman in the year of the task that had been set, but um, he hadn't felt well enough to be recorded. And then we spoke for three hours, and afterwards he said, oh, we could have recorded that. So this is our second meeting, uh, and his name is Alan Curtis, and he played Major Green in The War Machines. Enjoy. The, the jumping off point of all these interviews that I've been doing uh, is something many actors have in common, and that's being in Doctor Who. And uh, I wonder, did you remember, do you remember much about when you were in Doctor Who with William Hartnell? Uh, no, I, I don't remember too much because he was a lovely man. I got on very well with him, but it was a poor script. We had wooden war machines which were supposed to bring London to its knees with fearsome wooden boom, boom from the front of the machine, which just ran on four bedroom casters, you know, and the brilliant technical work from the BBC who had to devise this thing at fairly short notice. Uh, Bernard... I forget the name, Bernard, but, lo lovely man. Bernard Wilkie, was it, the special effects? Well man? done, yeah. He worked with my brother, David Curtis, who is a very good actor and playwright, and sadly died early, mainly because of cigarettes during the war. And uh, he left in uh, 1971. He worked with Bernard Wilkie at the last months of the war and for the first few months at the end of the war and uh, the war machines really were fairly laughable but the great thing about it it was William Hartnell's last the two helpers you might say a good actor actress and uh, Annika Wills yeah she was lurking she wasn't quite as prominent as uh, I remember, I, maybe because I did, had, didn't have any scenes with her. Um, anyway, uh, it was quite good, but I was the baddie, and I was, I think, the straightest baddie they've ever had on it, because I was just a man, a major green, uh, wearing a suit and moustache, mm. possibly a bit George Sanders. But that's all. But I'd been hypnotised, or whatever the phrase was, uh, by some uh, psychedelic being emanating from the world of computers. And there was a lovely actor, John Phillips, with us, and Bill Mervyn, and uh, was this, despite was this... John, John Cater or John Harvey? were the two baddies with you? Uh, John Harvey and John Cater. You're yeah. absolutely right, Toby. Thank you. 
Yeah, it wasn't John Phillips, it was John Harvey. I loved him because he really was the epitome of the 1920s and 30s young leading men. And uh, a very good looking man. He'd been at uh, Drew Lane in uh, King and I for many months. Uh, anyway, we went, uh, we battled for, for four weeks of them. Last uh, Doctor Who, Doctor Who and the War Machines, it sold hundreds of thousands of uh, videos and uh, oh, the actors did benefit very well. And so I always thank, I've done quite a few of the Doctor Who th uh, things, you know, when they get to, to turn up and yeah. talk and sign. But it's a very, very small part of a of a big career. So um, it must be quite strange that of you know one job out of many. Although I suppose you get you you must do carry on things as well. Does that get a similar amount? Yeah. Of well, uh, I I did two carry ons. Uh, one for reasonable carry on Henry, good props, and uh, the other one carry on abroad, where I played the. Uh, Chief Inspector of the local police corrupt as hell just to keep them more happy. And uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, some good, very good lines and a couple of good clashes with Kenneth Williams and Sid James and uh, Kenneth Connor was there as well. A whole uh, group apart from um, Hattie Jenks. And Peter, um, Peter Butterworth, Peter behind Butterworth, the bar, isn't he? yeah. Uh, they were at uh, home in their hotel, yeah. So they weren't they weren't arrested, but Barbara Windsor obviously were there. Jimmy Logan did this particular carry on. He was there, and of course Charlie Hawtrey, bless him. They were good fun, but I think Toby, you've obviously had taken the trouble of looking at the, uh, my work, work pattern, and uh, I was very lucky. Uh, I got with no training. Uh, I wandered into rep at the age of sixteen, at a place called Gloucestershire, like Gloucester in a church hall behind one of the churches where we rehearsed for a week, love and a mist. And I was going to do the scenery. I waited the whole week for paint and brushes and money to arrive. And that same for the actors who'd rehearsed and actually got ready to start on the Monday. And no, no no uh, producer arrived at all. We just were abandoned. So my first, it wasn't actually my first paid paid job. That was immediately after war in 1945. I was an extra at Croydon Grand. Anyway, he went to sale. And then about literally two weeks later, I found myself working in a film unit down at Rygate, which was J. Arthur Rank's personal thing. I made, made the sets and animated single-frame animation for puppets and films. 
I did that for most of 1947. I went straight to Elstree for a couple of weeks and the journey was too much Elstree to Old Goulton. So I did 1948 mainly going down to Frinton in Rep. Then I really kicked off next year when I went to Colwyn Bay, having been earlier in 1949, Reginald Solberg at Preston, immediately from his pantomime at Penge Empire, and then went to Preston, uh, assistant scenic artist. And then I went from that directly to Cohen Bay, ASM and actor. And that was it. I was away acting. And I did one more, uh, 1951. I did twice nightly rep at Lincoln with the Don Wolford Company. Wolford had retired from running the company, Advanced Players, I think it was. And all the, the Wolford Company, Douglas Quayle, Douglas O'Malley, uh, Barry Gosney, and uh, Ronald Lewis, mm. a lot of very good actors. Uh, we did twice nightly including the Scots play. <laughs> we did six performances of Maccas in two days. Uh, dress rehearsal Monday to Monday night, school's matinee, Tuesday matinee, and two that night. So six Macs in uh, two days. I was playing, as well as doing the sets, I was playing five different parts in Macbeth. So this time I started to have a real feel for the business. But I really never stopped working really from that point. I think the key for me was 1952. I was still going Charlie Denville, uh, Darwin, in Lancashire and also Darlington in Yorkshire. And then I went to Ronald Richards, a very, very talented man, producer of the age of 28, having his own company, which was started by, I can't remember his name, you might, who original writer of Emmerdale, a man who created Emmerdale. Well, he started the company at uh, Shrewsbury in 1949, and Ronald Richard took it over, I think, in 51. He employed me in 52. I then did 71 plays in 76 weeks. I directed half of them, and I played the lead in two-thirds of them, including Malvolio, Astrov in Uncle Vanya, uh, Stanley K Kowalski in Streetcar. I was really great parts. And um, Ron Richards had very good choice because he, uh, he did a, a usual run-of-the-bill Worm's Eye View, uh, and, but also did 
strange plays like Patrick Hamilton. Uh, I uh, he did Gaslight and uh, Duke in Darkness. Patrick Hamilton also wrote Rope. He did that sort of play, and I'd come to Shrewsbury to take over from the Herbert Wise. Oh. A brilliant director he became, having gone to uh, the Scottish company, Dundee, then into television, of course, responsible for the, one of the great pieces of television. Uh, I Claudius. Uh, Cla thank you, Toby. I Claudius. And Hyde, uh, Herbert disappeared, and he more experienced, and I had nothing like his experience. But by the end of 71 plays, in 70s, <laughs> I never stopped. I mean, it was a sort of 16-hour day. I frequently did the set as well. <laughs> My goodness. Because he, Ron Richards, did the set until we had a young lady join us, no less a person than Daphne Dare, oh. who then went on to... Royal Shakespeare for many years. She did the first year of Doctor Who as well. Yeah, then uh, went to Canada, Stratford, and of course into television as well. Yeah. Fascinating, really was. And as I say, from there, uh, I, I had my only spot of illness in my working career until I had my stroke in 1995, which stopped me working, although I did two or three jobs, but, it, you know, it was too much after that stroke, because I was then 65 um, in 1995. But uh, I had 12 weeks off of pleuropneumonia at the end of 53. Uh, then I went to... Uh, joined Reggie Solberg again at Hull, and then I was then picked as a leading man. It was the best twice nightly company in the country at Sheffield for Harry Hansen because he played at the Lyceum, 1200-seater, twice nightly. And we did, again, we did Streetcar. I did Stanley again. And also Dracula, again Leeds. I had one one week off, and in that 26 weeks, I then went immediately to crew. That was a period for three years. I only had two weeks out in three years, where I I didn't actually work in just those two weeks. Amazing when I was home briefly, the phone rang invariably, and I fitted in a new player, Croydon, taking over from Edward Woodward. Very ironic, because we ended up the Palladium, playing, he played Robin Hood, and I played Sheriff of Nottingham. I did the street. I was in the street in the 63. Oh, yes. Yeah, for two, two weeks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that we had went to a three-year party in because uh, it started in the 60s. I yeah. was there in 63. 
November 63. And we're going to the party. And, uh, and they were saying, we might get another couple of years out of it. <laughs> 1963. 63. And you were there November 1963? Yep. Yeah. When yeah. Kennedy was assassinated? 63. Oh, I was saying he hadn't, he hadn't been assassinated then. Ah, so you just, right, okay, so the beginning of November. November 23rd, yeah. wasn't it? I remember particularly, as most people do, I knew exactly. Uh, it's funny enough, it's a, a date that has a particular reason. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. One of the unfortunate days of my life that was. There we are. Well, that's interesting because um, November the 23rd is also the date that Doctor Who started, 1963. Go grief, I didn't realise that. Funnily enough, I remember playing tennis with David Whitaker about that time. He was in the company I mentioned about Sheffield. Uh, <clears throat> And David, a lovely man, he had disability as well. And I uh, was so glad he had, you know, very quickly. He was an actor until about uh, end of 50s, because uh, I was at Sheffield in 1954 uh, with him. And uh, he was a good cricketer. And then he moved to writing. And he wrote a lot of the early... early uh, we used to play... Uh, tennis in Regent's Park with Trevor Bannister and Ivor Salter, a whole lot of very good actors. Sadly, a lot of them dead. Joe Brady, Jimmy oh. Ellis from Z Cars. I worked, Jimmy was on my first professional job. Lovely man. <laughs> what a lovely chap. Lovely man, yeah. Well, because David, David Whitaker was the first ever script editor of Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you worked with, so you worked with him as an actor? Yeah, and he, he lived just round the corner here in Chiswick, David Whitaker. Died, uh, oh, many years ago. Mm. Possibly 30 years ago. Yeah, he died, yeah, 1980, yeah. 80, 81, I think, yeah. Uh, very good memory for other people. Ivor Salter was another one. Yeah. Uh, whose work I saw a lot on television, who was all, always, quite often to me, seemed had, had a great big personality, Ivor Salter, but was always just grasping for the line. I seemed to find... Yeah, he, he was a, a strange man. And unfortunately, when he had alcohol in him, he was very ugly. I never forget sitting in a, a foyer of a motel in Bristol, uh, three of us, Ivor, Tim Brookteller and myself, we're having a perfectly ordinary uh, conversation, and a waiter was bringing us drinks, and something the waiter said, or something he didn't do, irritated Ivor, and in about three minutes, there was a fight breaking out. On a Sunday afternoon, we were there to play cricket for a charity, and it was an ugly scene, and Trimbrook uh, Taylor never seen Ivor, like this, I'd worked with them because when I went on to crew, um, which I mentioned earlier, from Sheffield, he took over 
when I left crew to go to pantomime with Eric Ernie for the first time at, at Derby Hippodrome. And Ivor and I became friends because he'd been cricketer. We all played for the London theatres together and Lord Stavenus. Yeah, great days, great days. As you say, Dave, had David Whittaker stopped acting because of this disability or had he just naturally moved into writing? I think... Um, I think he, he he stopped acting because of the the illness. It was a, a psychological thing. Uh, I think possibly Stephen Fry would call it what is what is he called it? I call it manic depression, and uh, he calls it something polar. Oh, bipolar. Bi bi bipolar. Bipolar, yeah. But nice, he's a nice man, David. Uh, so were you a batsman or a bowler? Uh, I was a good bowler. I took five for 13 against the Dronfield Miners in Sheffield. Uh, my best bowling. I was uh, uh, rather like Derek Underwood. He was left arm, of course. I was a uh, right, right arm. Uh, and that I speed, I bowled fast off breaks. I wasn't terribly good. You know, a good batsman could de demolish me. And uh, I, <laughs> as for batting, I never scored more than 87 all my, all my cricket and career. I played for a couple of the Surrey out, out 11s, you know, and no good. And twice. <laughs> And twice I played for Harold Pinter's 11, and both occasions I went out and got an absolute corker to hit for six. I went down, dang! Missed time, caught first ball. And the second time I played, about three years later, exactly the same thing. Uh, and now you'll, you'll guess, being an actor, you'll guess what's going to happen. I go back to the dressing room. He's batting a bit below me. I say, oh, sorry, Harold. And, uh, no reply. I don't think he'll ever ask me again, will you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, a longer pause. <laughs> I was going to say, this is a pause. Longer pause. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, that's a shame. But cricket's been—you've well, you—you've been good to cricket. I mean, was see a copy of Wisden over there because you. How, so, how did you get to be doing the announcing at? Uh, uh, did you announce at you announced at Lords? Didn't yeah, you? yeah. Well, I did all the all the grounds. It turned in into a second job, really. And of course, it it did affect the the eighties particularly because. It ended up when suddenly <clears throat> the number of games increased immensely and I was always popping off to do things other than cricket. Because they, they pay me quite well, but the moment we got into a contract, they paid me very well. One time I was getting as much as the England. 
players, wow. which was ludicrous. I thought they, oh well, it mainly made up for the fact that you used to get, uh, I've forgotten the figure, uh, so many pence a mile for petrol when we were driving. And that was very generous. The umpires got that as well, and I got my own fee. Fairly, you know, became a very good fee for really broadcasting, because the great thing was when not to say something. You know, the worst thing was too much. You, know. mm -hmm. you had to be there for when the serious things happen, and I dealt with, I think, three bombs, and uh, only one was there. And, uh, no, no, hang on, I'm getting confused. The real bomb was the Palladium. Uh, no, there were never three occasions we had to deal with uh, bomb threat, but never in cricket, to my knowledge, was there a bomb. So, uh, so of... the, only bomb in the, the only bomb was in the theatre? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the, that, that ended up, I think, on the... On the front steps of the Palladium, and uh, <laughs> George Cooper, marvellous stage doorkeeper at the Palladium, <laughs> he had a conversation with the guy who was involved in it. I don't know whether particularly bomb day. Uh, it was during what I think during Babes in the Wood, with. Woodward and Derek Nimmo at 72-73 and uh, he was having a, a conversation with this fellow uh, saying you're going to empty the theatre clear out the theatre Mr. Kirby we do not do this very calm dealing with this thing. he said you take this attitude or come down there and I Really, that's what he was saying. Uh, <laughs> I'll come down there, and George would say, "Well, we'll be waiting for you." <laughs> Having called the police, you know. Well, you mentioned before. How many comedians did you tell me you'd worked with? Hundred and fifty-four, including character comedians, and of course, I did sixty pantomimes altogether, doubling up, including my last one was the uh, one I did in Hollywood. It was at the uh, Mayflower Club Theatre. And uh, great fun. Funny enough, it was Old King Cole, which I'd played in 1962-63 with Tommy Cooper, Alfred Marks, Shaney Wallace, oh, Jackie Ray, Gary Miller and the Carl Denver. Trio. They're all above the title. Myself and Clarkson Rose, a great dame. He he was. I think he only did one more pantomime before he died, and he was a uh, absolute museum of anecdotes and fables about his days in pantomime which were long before the war as well. Very interesting. And I ended up 
1992 doing that same pantomime script and playing exactly my part, which was Richard III, you know, with withered hands and, and cushions stuffed up my costume at the back. And uh, seeing pantomime hit Americans was fascinating. Yes, and how did they, and how did they take it? Because it must be a very novel form for them. They're a bit bemused, but in the main, once they got onto it, they're terrific. And children immediately, no hesitation, uh, they straight away reacted in the same that a, a British uh, bunch of children would do. They picked it up straight away. Good in and the baddie. Yeah. You did a lot of baddies, didn't you, in Panto? Oh, yeah. yeah. I realised very early on they were the best parts, best costumes. Abanaz I did 17 times, and Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, three with Eric and Ernie. It was called a, a baron then, but it was a sheriff. And how were Eric and Ernie? Well, it's very difficult, I think, my attachment to them was far greater than I suspected. And when I used to go and work with them, I treated it like any other job. And now, all these years later, I still talk to Doreen. And I still see Joan occasionally. I don't know that I'm going to see her until I make some arrangement now because I'm, I'm sliding down the hill a bit quickly. And uh, it is because when I joined them, they were third on the bill and I was struck immediately by the speed of Eric's humour. A fantastic. You, you was then, I was 24, so he'd have been 27, 28. And he was so quick now. They, they'd been together, as you know, uh, from about 1943 together. And uh, their, their individual timing was very good. Ernie was very much a straightforward straight man. He was the bully. And they were very good. But they were third because of Freddie Sales was top. Freddie went to, um, he was one of the dames I worked with. And uh, he went to uh, America. He was a very, very fine comic. He, in those days, he was a better comic than Eric. A different type, but very good. Then Stan Stennett was next on the bill, and then the third. I think they were earning something like a hundred, hundred and twenty quid a week for the two of them. You know, not much more. And I was, I was earning. Uh, but I liked them. They were great friends. And because I was by myself, I had a girlfriend, a very uh, close girlfriend who came to see me a lot, but because I was, during the week, working week, 
The boys would always ask me to join them up, and I got lumbered when we used to go out to uh, the factory visits or the particularly brewery. I was one who got lumbered with getting up at the end of the meal. Uh, used to give us lunch, and lots of booze and cigarettes, John Player and Nottingham, you know. Uh, getting up and thanking them, making a couple of gags and saving them for having to do it. And they would, and Stansted would chai me, you know, give me a heckle. It was all all good fun, and uh, I, I never forget the irony. Rex Holdsworth, I mentioned, very good, brilliant, like comedian. He gave up. He he joined me, leaving Sheffield uh, in the rep season, come down to Derby to do do the pantomime with the boys. And he was, Rex Holdsworth was going to be the dame. And it worked very well because we were working together. We had a very good scene which we wrote ourselves in the pantomime. And we had the greatest compliment. Eric and I used to come and watch us every night, which was great. Mm. And Rex had to give up the business. Like a lot of people I worked with in those 12 years of working in rap because he used to be ill before every show he used to regurgitate and uh, terrible and I used to see a lot of him he did occasional television a great brilliant like comedian brilliant and uh, he on one occasion had to pull out of the the schoolroom scene I would say the Stan Stennett and Eric O'Nelly doing the schoolroom scene uh, couldn't fit into any pantomime. It was superb. By the third year we had it, it was so finely honed. And the laughter, everyone would watch it every night. And um, one particular night at Derby, uh, afternoon at Derby, Eric uh, Rex Holtz was suddenly taken ill. And I, I had to take over. And uh, I was the uh, teacher in the, you know, terrible liberty with the script. But nobody else could do it. No one understood it. Luckily, I knew it. And uh, it was feeding, you know. They were all doing the comedy. Anyway. It was one of those great occasions. And just bond, uh, build up the bond between us. And, of course, with Stan as well. Because Stan and I were, were close friends. And uh, I used to go to the, the homes. And if uh, my, my girl wasn't coming down with the weekend, or if she was, they would ask uh, me or, or two of us, Together, and I went to Peterborough, which was Ernie's home, and Finchie, which was. And I always remember in the same way of Kennedy. Lucky it wasn't such a bad personal day, 23rd of November 63. May of 84, 
I was in a house in Sheffield and uh, television was on about 10 o'clock in the morning uh, and uh, news music ran and straight away a photograph of Eric came up and I said to my lady in the kitchen, God, Eric Morecambe's died because uh, he, he'd done the show with the Stan Stennis the night yeah. before. So what were the jobs that you enjoyed the most then, do you think? Quite honestly, I think I enjoyed rep. <laughs> Amongst, above everything, even, I suppose, Palladium was pretty. Five shows that the Palladium was, was marvellous. I, I really had so much luck in my life. And I, apart from my brother dying, uh, he was 47, I, I was 41. And my father and mother died in their 80s, but that was uh, not as... Uh, Uh, tearful as David dying uh, they're, they're the only sadness in my life really and uh, I've never had any financial worries not because uh, my parents were uh, all well endowed and I think rather like your parents but I did uh, Polonius, etc., and uh, I saved at the age of 24 when I was on 11 quid a week as leading man for Harry Hansen and crew. I bought my first bond, you know. I never expected to be a star, and I was very happy to be second billing, and that's what I ended up doing, really. And uh, I used to top the bill, of course, in Peter Pan occasionally. I joined top. And uh, when I played Hook, I played Hook more than the other actor arrived for quite a few years. Somebody in America has now got that title. He might die quicker than I will. <laughs> Willie Rushton said not long before he died, he said, Curtis chap. This fellow's got it really made. Pantomime in the winter and cricket in the summer. And it was true. I, at one time, I, I did have terrible choices to make. 1984 did all the one days with the West Indies. I know I, I was up in Yorkshire uh, doing an episode with uh, Peter Bowles of his series with George Cole called The Bounder. Oh, yes. I did an episode of that. I Just before we were recording on a Friday night, I had a call from David Kirk and say, because I worked for him, a, a touring man, uh, tour, touring in provinces, and he said, I've got a terrible situation. Peter Blythe has just walked out on me. We've a week to go, and it's a three-hander. 
Mark Winter and Mark McManus and you and you're on virtually every single page of the thing and Peter Blythe uh, you my Dixon Dogreen says you can't remember it and uh, can you come and take over you, you've only got a, a week I drove down that night to London I went to meet the company on Saturday morning and blocked it. I learned the whole of first act, which was a duologue between myself and Mark Winter on the Saturday night, no, Sunday rather, and I had it under the skin in Monday morning and did, didn't half shock him. <laughs> I uh, bet. knew the whole of first act. Amazing. Uh, that, but I, that, I had that sort of life. It really was incredible. I, I, though the word went round that Curtis is not doing anything in the afternoon. Get him, he'll do it. You know, <laughs> I, I used to do three jobs in a day. I frequently did uh, Lords of the Oval and then to the players to do Chairman of the Players. Sometimes they did Birmingham and the players, and also I did when I was in Come Spy With Me with Danny Rue. I did uh, cricket at Birmingham and Bris also at Bristol, and uh, then got to Whitehall. You know, God almighty. Sometimes if, if the train started to stop unnecessary, I really started to sweat. But amazingly, uh, happy days. Yeah, I bet. Well, um, do you have a charity that you support, Alan? Because um, everybody that benefits from these interviews, I ask the, the person I've interviewed to nominate a charity, and then everyone that enjoys the interview donates to that charity. So so then everybody's happy. Well, certainly. I've, I've got so many. I think the Macmillan cancer mm -hmm. will be a good one. I started doing this because Doctor Who was 50 years old, because it started on the 23rd of November 1963. So last November, Doctor Who lasted for 50 years, had lasted for 50 years. So can you understand why, why what it is about Doctor Who that's made it last so long? And do you, do you quite enjoy the fact that people still talk to you about it, even though you were in it nearly 50 years ago? Oh, yes. Uh, it's never amazed me. I, I thought it was a horrendous achievement. Uh, the idea originally, the Doctor who can literally go on forever. I suspect it could be around in 20 years time quite easily. Well, brilliant. Well, thank you, Alan, for letting me record It's been thoughts. a pleasure, Toby. Great to see you. And have a career yourself, I'm sure, is going to be very good. And I hope it's as interesting and lucky as mine. My thanks to Alan, uh, who gave me a lot of his time and is the most perfect gentleman. His charity is Macmillan Cancer. That's www.macmillan.org.uk. Macmillan.org.uk. Um, 
I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydock, at T-O-B-Y-H-E-D-O-K-E, uh, and I'm running for the Psoriasis Association. I have a Virgin Giving page if you want to reward me for <laughs> sweating and crying. But if not, continue listening to Who's Round. Uh, there'll be another one next week. This week's was facilitated thanks to a recommendation uh, by my friend Rob Ross, who put uh, Alan and myself in touch. So thanks, Rob. Uh, cheerio. Good morning. Mind if I join you? What? Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. Ghost Mission. Sergeant Davidson. Andy, please. My friends call me Andy. I'm Norton Folgate, Torchwood Assessor. Here's my card. Torchwood has business cards. They did in my day. I've been appointed to see if you're ready to join the new Torchwood. What? Gwen has finally decided to let me in. (laughs) This is a day all about you. I've been sent here to assess you. I've come all the way from 1953, so you may have to fill in a few gaps. 1953? Well, that's just how we do it sometimes. Guarantees impartiality. Also, it means I can't interfere. I'm... well... Oh, my God, you're a ghost! (sighs) 2016, yes? You have holograms and nano-printers, don't you? Yeah, and a ghost, he says. Open mind, Sergeant. Now, then. Ready? Uh, Oh... Actually, I quite fancy the loo. Can I just... Tough. Test due to start in... Ooh, now. Big finish. We love stories. Sergeant Andy Davidson, we are on.